Have you ever looked back on your teaching timeline and wished, if I had only done this or that sooner, if I had only known about this, if I had made those changes sooner rather than later? Well, in episode 161, I am reflecting on 31 years of teaching experience, and I am sharing the top five game-changing decisions that had the most significant impact on me, my family, my business, my whole life. So I hope you will enjoy learning from my mistakes right here on the Full Voice Podcast. Hello, welcome. Thank you, friend and colleague, for joining me for another episode. I hope Wherever you are, and I am saying hello to my friends all over the world, I hope you were doing well. If you are listening to this podcast at time of release, it's mid-April. I hope the sun is shining and your spring flowers are coming out. Uh, we are enjoying uh, Hemford Forest, so I am I am uh, recording this from a beautiful studio, my husband's studio, in the back lot of our of our home, and I look out the window here is a beautiful uh, Nova Scotian forest, Acadian forest, and we are so, so happy to be here and enjoying this beautiful space. And I hope you are too. I wanted to just, uh, I just wanted to remind everybody before I get started, it is not too late. Be sure to register for the 2022 Nats National Convention. It is going to be so good, friends. The lineup, the presenters, the concerts, and of course, the opportunity to learn in person. I'm so excited. Full Voice is going to be there. We're going to have a booth in the exhibit hall, and we're going to be uh, showcasing some of the new releases that is uh, coming out, and uh, well, that will be out by the time we get there, fingers crossed. And um, of course, we'll be there with the Full Voice podcast as well. So I hope that you will stop by the Full Voice booth and say hello, especially if you're a podcast listener. So please come and say hi. Now, I do want to dive in to my topic. So uh, my husband and I, uh, for those of you who are new to the book, to the podcast. I just wanted to let you know that my husband and I uh, are like lifetime musicians and lifetime teachers, private teachers. My husband taught guitar, mandolin, ukulele, bass for 30 years. And uh, he retired a few years ago, and he now does uh, recording and music engineering. And um, of course, he's the editor of the Full Voice podcast. Um, and uh, I am now currently in my 31st year of teaching. I'm just about to wrap up my 31st year of teaching. And Sean always teases me, he says, you just went one extra year just to rub it in. <laughs> But we were talking the other night and we were talking about our, you know, our days, our early days of teaching, our early days where we both taught an incredible number of students. And Sean at one point was teaching five, six days a week. He had like an enormous, like it was 40 or 50 students, guitar students. 
every single week. And I've certainly, I don't think I've had that many students, but I certainly have had uh, years where I was teaching for five days a week and it was my, um, my only source of income. And it's been a long, long journey. So we had this very hilarious and reflective conversation and talking about all the things. And then we were talking about, well, if you could go back with a clean slate and do it all over again, what are like the big changes that you would do? What would you have done? So I thought, you know, this is a really interesting conversation. Now, I do want to say that uh, and Michelle Marquart and I, uh, Michelle Marquart DeVoe and I were talking a little bit about this in um, her podcast on multiple revenue streams. And that is knowing that, you know, as you grow, as you age, as your life circumstances change, obviously your business offerings change. So, and the other thing we were talking about is the experiences that you get as a overcommitted, going crazy young person, <laughs> of which I mastered that, by the way, um, taking all the gigs, taking all the students, taking every opportunity that comes to you is all part of our training. Uh, if there's one thing I know about teaching, you can read all the books about teaching, but you truly earn your stripes in the trenches working with your students. It just, this is something you have to have practical application to really discover your skill as a teacher. So all of the experiences that I had in my youth, obviously, I bring into my, into my teaching, but there's some key things that I look back and I think I would have had, I would have had a different outcome. I would have, I would have had a lot more peace and I would have had a lot more life balance. Uh, I would have had a lot more money had I done some things differently. So I want to share that with you. Now, my goal is that you learn from my mistakes. So I'm, I'm being a little vulnerable here. I'm sharing some of the things that maybe I'm not so proud of, but I think it's, a, I think it's helpful. And I also want to say that, um, that in reflecting on this, I'm sharing things that um, I I knew that I was supposed to be doing. So the things that I'm sharing, the five biggest game changers, I'm sharing these because I hesitated. I hesitated and I was worried and I let fear prevent me from, I'm doing air quotes, being brave and taking the steps in, in, in making some of these changes or utilizing some of these tools. So I want to share these things so that you know that it's not as scary as I thought it was. And I understand. I, I go through this all the time. You know, uh, we've been going through some big changes. We have a new website, uh, fullvoicemusic.com, and that was a scary process. Changing all of the all of the programs and the the way that we manage our website and working with a new person, Robin. He's amazing. We love you, Robin. Um, but uh, um, it's been a, it's been interesting to see the hesitation come back. 
It's like, should I be doing this? Is this the right decision? I don't know. Maybe we should go back to the old way. So I know that those fears and those worries can creep in. So the top five game-changing decisions I'm sharing with you are the ones that I don't know why now looking back, I thought it was going to be more painful than it was, and it wasn't. So without any further ado, the top five game-changing decisions in my teaching studio. Game-changing decision number one. I wish that I was more proactive in reaching out with colleagues and connecting with professional organizations earlier in my career. So I call this lone wolf syndrome. And I just made that up. It's not a real thing. Uh, but in my in my first in my first years of teaching, it was so isolating. I was so alone. And I had no colleagues. In the teaching studio that I worked at when I first got started, there were no other voice teachers. I was the only singing teacher on staff. And I just had, I had nothing. I really was just trying to figure it out. And it wasn't until I moved to another teaching studio and there were other voice teachers there. And boy, that was huge, right? Talking to my friend and actually one of the first other voice teachers I met was my partner in crime, Mim Adams. And just having someone to even just commiserate how challenging it was to teach is fabulous. But it took me quite a few years before I had the courage to um, join uh, the Registered Music Teachers Association. Now, here in Canada, every province has a Registered Music Teachers Association. And so I joined Ormta. Now, when I first joined Ormta, I did nothing in the organization. I just paid a dues and had a card that said I was a member, (laughs) but I didn't do anything with it. And it wasn't until I had moved to Hamilton and then I volunteered for the organization. And I met incredible teachers. I met incredible musicians, piano teachers, violin teachers, saxophone teachers. I met so many passionate music teachers and it was so incredible. It really brought a a new level of inspiration and I would also say confidence. So my first life-changing thing that I want to encourage people to do is make sure that you have uh, a a circle of people um, that could be gnats. And and actually, it was after I had joined the Registered Music Teachers Association, and it was actually one of the delightful teachers in the Music Association, Joan Heels. If you're listening to this, Joan, I do have to thank you. Joan Heels... Um, has been teaching for, oh goodness, five decades. I'm not, I'm trying not to give away your age, Joan. Um, but, uh, Joan is a little spitfire and she just told me that I would join Nats because if you're a voice teacher, you should be part of the National Association of Teachers of Singing. So I did. I did as I was told. And again, um, through that organization, I was able to meet more voice teachers. So my first recommendation, if you have a professional organization, if you're on the fence about joining Nats or even if you're on the fence 
of going to the National Convention. You can go to the Nats Convention in Chicago, even if you're not a member, and meet amazing teachers and see what the organization is all about. But if you have an organization within your country, within your city, I want you to look into it because it can be incredible. Now, if professional organizations aren't for you, then I would highly recommend either a mastermind like the Speakeasy, and you've you've heard Michelle in the podcast, and I have been a member of the Speakeasy. Again, having a safe space where you and your colleagues can unpack all of the challenges in your studios is so powerful. And let me tell you, friends, I don't know who needs to hear this, but forums are not necessarily safe spaces. You don't know the the person who is is replying and sometimes things can get out of hand on forums and although forums can be helpful places and I, I certainly uh, I certainly have gleaned many wonderful things from well-run forums on Facebook um, or on the socials um, I, I highly recommend that you have some one-on-one in person types of organizations. I I can't recommend that enough. And just a little funny story. Um, (laughs) So when I had joined Ormta and I volunteered to help them with their website, I soon discovered that I was on the Ormta executive. Now, I didn't really want to be on the Ormta executive. I was just offering to help them with their website. But I guess the website convener is then part of the executive. And I kind of felt a little tricked. So I was complaining to my father, which something I should know better, because in the Loney household, uh, there is no complaining. You have a problem, you solve it. And my dad gave me the what for. And he said, if you are on the executive, you should be so lucky. Being on the executive allows you to connect with professionals and it allows you to have your thumb on the pulse of what's going on, what changes need to happen. And that is one of the most incredible things you can do for your business. And he totally told me. (laughs) So uh, thanks, dad, because it did, it did help me a lot in my business. So that my friends is number one reach out and connect with your colleagues, whether on a professional development organization like Nats or a registered music teachers organization, or connect with a mastermind of people locally. The second game changer for my business, my career, my life was getting serious about knowing my numbers and knowing and looking at my business and my numbers and not in a panic at tax time, which was basically what I did. And I've shared this story before. It's a quick little story, but this was the moment where I pulled my act together. Many years ago, I went to my accountant's office to pick up my 
statement and to discover how much I owed in taxes. And, you know, because I wasn't looking at my numbers throughout the year and planning properly, it was a number that I didn't like. So as a joke, because that's how I manage stress, I said to my accountant, Nadim, I said, Nadim, this is why I can't have nice things. And I was all whiny. And he looked at me in very serious accountant tone. He said, if you never look at your numbers, you will never have money. If sometimes you look at your numbers, sometimes you might have some money. And if you are diligent and you know your numbers, you will have plenty of money. And he handed me my tax filing and I walked very ashamed out of his office. Now, although I was a little um, uh, embarrassed, that was the accountant slap in the face that I needed to pull myself together. And I made a promise from that moment, that embarrassing, horrible moment that, yeah, he was right. I wasn't looking at my numbers. I was working really, really hard, but working really, really hard doesn't mean that you have money in the bank. And I think that's where a lot of us get kind of tricked. So for those of you who are teaching like 800 kids or students a week and you still don't know your numbers, you better be looking at your numbers because our numbers allow us to make better decisions. So that was one of the biggest changes. Now, um, a couple other things that I would add into knowing my numbers. Um, one of them I started, and this was Michelle's recommendation, was a cash flow statement. Now, if you Google cash flow statement, there's lots of free templates. Um, I use one. I, I It's a free template. It allows me to put in my income, my expenses, and it allows us to get a really good picture of your year and your, your income. Now, this is incredibly helpful for those of you and many of you have what's called a fluctuating income. So it's not the same amount every month. So a cash flow statement is something that is a very helpful. It doesn't need to take a lot of time. In fact, um, once you get set up and once you get started, they're actually pretty easy to maintain. And I continue to keep a cash flow statement. I give my cash flow statement to both my bookkeeper and my accountant because they also find it helpful as well. So life-changing recommendation number two, get serious about your numbers. Know what you're bringing in, know what you're spending so that you can plan, that you can see what, what life is going to bring you. Um, and I, one other thing I would add into that and this is something that my husband and I did, make sure you have an emergency fund. Self-employed people, make sure you've got some money set aside for things that happen, and things will always happen. My husband and I, when we first got together, we had a very small cash supply, and man, did we have to dig into that a few times, like the time that the stove blew up, or the time that the van needed winter tires. Like Just silly things like that can really set you back. So, so emergency fund, know your numbers. Those, that's number two on my list of game-changing decisions that really helped me out. Game-changing decision number three, moving to a longer lesson time. 
I said goodbye to the 30-minute lesson, oh, probably over a decade ago. But I, and, and I moved to a 45-minute lesson. Now, I had been dreaming and wishing about moving from a 30-minute lesson for quite some time. Many of my colleagues were like, what are you doing, 30 minutes? Still, you're still doing 30 minutes? Now, I know some of you out there might be still doing 30 minutes. I want you to hear me out. So... Moving to a longer lesson has benefits for both the teacher and the student. So I was always feeling rushed. There are so many things that we are trying to help our students with in each and every lesson. And goodness, if a student showed up a few minutes late or they had to leave a few minutes early, then how are we supposed to get anything done? I found the 30 minutes to be truly miserable. Now, in my early years of teaching, I would often give away my time to kind of compensate for those 30-minute lessons. So, for example, if my students were preparing for exams or competitions, I would offer these weekend workshop classes. And back then, I was very foolish, and I didn't charge for them, or they weren't part of the tuition. So, I gave away a lot of my time in order to try and compensate for the fact that we just didn't have enough time in our lessons. But yet I wanted my students to succeed. I don't recommend doing that. And if you are a teacher listening and you feel like you need to give away your time to make ends meet or to get your students to their goals, please stop doing that. Now, I also wanted to just mention, I know that the 45-minute time thing feels awkward? Like, really, somebody's going to come in for a lesson at 5.45? That's weird. Trust me, friends, I've been doing it for a decade. No one has a problem coming in on a 45 or a 15. (laughs) Most people can figure that out. Now, I hesitated from switching to a 45-minute lesson because of the usual fears. Oh, my students won't want that. The parents won't want to pay more. You know, it's such a hassle. It's going to be like everybody's going to quit my studio. Let me tell you, I I spoke to all my families. I said in the new year, I, I did this change after a year had completed. And I said in the new year. I need to move to a 45-minute lesson with my students. And I pleaded my case. I said, the 30-minute lessons are too rushed. We don't get to go over our material enough, which makes it harder for my students to practice because they haven't gone over their material enough. And we have so many opportunities, um, you know, for performances and all of this stuff. I would like to move to a 45-minute lesson. This will be the cost. This is what's happening in the fall. I only had a couple of students that ended up quitting. Now, because I was teaching 45-minute lessons instead of 30-minute lessons, I actually was okay with that because I didn't have spots for them. That is one of the most beautiful things. For those of you who are desperately dying for life balance, the more students you teach, the more administrative time you need to spend, more parents you need to deal with, more uh, policies you'll need to set up, more emails you'll need to send out. The larger your student base, the more 
outside of lesson time you will need to spend. So when you go to a longer lesson, you get to teach less students. You don't get burnt out. There is a huge difference, friend, in holding space for maybe six students a day rather than nine or 10. And I remember in my early days teaching nine, 10, sometimes 11 students in a day. That's a lot of different energies coming into your studio. So game changer, if you think you are ready. Now, I do want to encourage those of you who think, well, you know, the kids need little lessons. I want to remind everybody, most activities for children are never 30 minutes. The, everything that I have seen locally, my son has been involved in, that my students are involved in, nobody's going anywhere for just 30 minutes. Most classes are 45 and to an hour. Karate, dance, even the piano lessons that my students are, are having. They're, they're not 30 minutes anymore. So something to consider, better for life balance, better for your administrative time. It's, it was a game changer for me. And th the other thing too that was beautiful, when I got settled in the 45 minutes, everybody was more relaxed. It just changed the energy in my studio. We got more time. I could actually talk to my students more. We could rehearse things more. That extra one or two times through a song improved the quality of home practice because they felt more confident to sing the material at home. So there's my recommendation. Number three, move to a longer lesson time. Death to the 30-minute lesson. Game-changing decision number four, finally getting around to accept credit card payments. My friends, oh, the pain and suffering that I would have just saved myself. If you are struggling with lesson payments and or if you're tired of sending out reminders and stuff, let me just tell you, Parents do not, I, I, okay, no, let me clarify. Most parents are not trying to rip you off when they are forgetting to pay you. Most parents are just running around with a million things to do and sitting down at the computer or writing a check or sending you an e-transfer. That is not on the top of their list. Now, I do have to say that e-transfers can now be scheduled. I have quite a few of my students, parents, who have scheduled an e-transfer from their bank account. And I love that because we don't have to pay fees on those. But for the small percentage of fee that I pay for my credit card transactions, it automatically goes through my music staff payments. I d all I have to do is send an email to families and then the payments go through. Oh my goodness. I hesitated for probably five years. I waited to, I waited to make that change because I thought it would be like really difficult. It's not. If you use a program like My Music Staff or Fonz or Acuity, it is so easy to set up credit card payments. So if you're still accepting checks, <laughs> if you're still bugging people to pay you on time, if you're still suffering like that, oh my goodness, please, please, please. Um, one of the things I do want to share with you 
Um, it was actually one of my parents that was adamant. Um, he, he, he had a couple of times had, uh, had bothered me about, you know, can you take credit cards? And at first I was like, no, I don't take credit cards. And every year he would bother me. Can you take a credit card? Can you take a credit card? And he was, and finally he's like, why don't you take credit cards? He's like, everything that our daughter does is scheduled. We pay through our credit card. We get points. We use them for air miles. He goes, I really feel bad when I forget to pay you or if I pay you late, can you please, please, please? So it was actually the begging of one of my dads that finally made me drag my feet and look at what it involved. And it involved nothing. It was just a couple of sign up for um, uh, my music staff and, and, and go through the, go, go through the steps. Friends, it's not difficult. And I do want to say, um, one of my most favorite yoga teachers, um, she has monthly classes. I would love it if she had a website where I could just give her my credit card because it's the same thing. I forget to pay her and then she has to like awkwardly remind me that I haven't paid her and I feel awful that I didn't pay her. But also it's that whole thing where I'd just be happy to give you my credit card and you could bill me and that would, I don't have to remember how many classes I've had. So just something to think about. If you haven't done it already, please get your credit cards together. My fifth and final game-changing decision that had such an impact um, on my business has been the group lessons. Group lessons. For the longest time, I was terrified of doing group lessons. And the beautiful thing as a private teacher, you can structure group lessons to serve you however you wish. And a small group class could be three students. Now, I started doing group lessons in the summertime, and I offered theory classes. I was preparing students for the conservatory theory exams. And doing the group classes in the summer was a huge bonus for my summer uh, teaching because, you know, a lot of my students would go away or a lot of my teenagers got jobs. So this kind of filled the gap for my income. Plus, it was a nice change of pace. I enjoy theory. I love teaching music theory. And um, it was, I, I, this was how I got my family through the summer. Now, from the success of my theory classes, I started doing um, uh, small group harmony classes. So this is, I did this with my teenagers. So uh, I would have like a regular lesson spot, but it was a harmony class. And I would invite my, for an additional fee, my teenagers that were working on harmony skills. And we would pick different songs. And sometimes it was three, sometimes one, the biggest class I had was um, six kids. So I had two on each part and it was so much fun. Um, that was another class that was super successful. And of course, teaching larger groups of people can be a huge boost in your income. So another wonderful uh, class idea. Now, of course, a few years ago, and again, I hesitated 
for years. I I was thinking that I thought, you know, I'd love to just get like a small group of young singers and just start some fun vocal, you know, vocal friendly music classes and, and just get them started. Because I found with sometimes with, you know, six and seven year olds, they just needed, they weren't quite ready for like a private lesson and parents weren't sure whether or not it'd be a good fit. So I thought, you know, a small group class might be friendlier for a new student. And I was right. My small group classes for young singers was a huge hit. And it was trial and error. I had some amazing sessions. I had some challenging sessions. I made the mistake of having too many kids in the class and almost died. And my assistant, Heidi, who is a retired classroom teacher, had to come in and help me because it was like herding cats. Um, and it's been a wonderful, wonderful experience. And uh, I love, I love my small group classes. Now, when the pandemic hit, I was able to move my one vocal class online. And yes, through trial and error, it actually turned out to be a wonderful, wonderful class. And the kids did really well. We modified to the best of our ability. But again, it was an amazing way to um, to uh, keep the kids singing through the pandemic and, and seeing their friends when we were in isolation. And uh, an amazing amazing opportunity. So there's, there's number five, checking out some small group or group classes, small group classes. Oh, I almost forgot. One of the fun things that I've been doing through the pandemic, uh, speaking of small group classes, I almost forgot about this, was my adult sip and sing class. This was so much fun. So I, it was open to my adult students and we would work on their solo pieces in their private lessons and then the sip and sing was an evening zoom class where everybody got to perform for each other again another activity that kept everybody smiling and singing through the pandemic and um, prior to the pandemic I had done like my adult karaoke night where they would come to the church and we would sing to tracks and just have a blast and we work on our microphone skills but the sip and sing online was a huge success and we had so much fun so group classes. Friends, those are my five top game-changing decisions. And whether you are just getting started in your teaching studio or whether you've been teaching for a while, maybe some of those are helpful for you. And if they are, and they can save you some pain and suffering, or maybe help you get to get further in your business and, and a better understanding of, of what your business has to offer. Well, that that's my hope. And I do want to remind everybody that we have a brand new website. Oh my goodness. So first of all, shout out to Robin Heaver, our website uh, superhero. It has not been an easy task. We wanted a website that served as many people around the world as possible. We wanted a website that was fun and uh, that was easy to navigate. And uh, I, I want to thank my whole team because since 
January, it has been all hands on deck as we have rebranded. So we are now fullvoicemusic.com. And uh, I'm just so thrilled with the way that the website looks and uh, the responses that we've been getting. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody uh, on my team and to Robin. And please check it out. And the beautiful thing, here's one of the cool things that I love about our new website. You now have, if you've made a purchase on our website, you have an account where you can see that purchase. And if you need to, say, download the song again, well, you can. Isn't that fabulous? I love that. So I do hope that you'll get it. take a moment, check out the new website. Uh, peruse some of the new songs that are on the website. And uh, and if there's, give us some feedback. Let us know what you think. As always, my friend and colleague, I hope this has been helpful. I hope you can learn from my mistakes and my growing pains and uh, find, uh, find better solutions for your business and hopefully life balance. As always, I am wishing you inspired teaching and happy singing.